God is with us forever and ever. He is an awesome God. So as we continue worshiping, focus on that point of how much he loves you, how awesome he is, and how great he is.
this morning. Good singing this morning. As we continue, this is one of our favorite songs, just talking about how Jesus was crucified for us, how he rose from the dead for us, and how he is preparing a place for us if we just call on his name. That's all it takes, just calling on his name and saying, Jesus, I need you.
Rise. Good morning, Crossroads. Everybody alive this morning? Oh, man, you can't sing songs like I Will Rise and know that on our own we cannot rise, do any good deed, even on our best day. It looks nothing compared to what Jesus has already done for us. Amen? So, it's got to, yeah, wake us up a little bit. You know, one thing I said this morning that I was, I was just kind of wrestling with is, you know, our days look different every time we come to church, whether it's Saturday night, both services on Sunday, whatever service you come to. But these songs, these lyrics, they, they just proclaim truth no matter how we're feeling. And that's the, just the resolve of God's word and who God is. So just good stuff. So my name is Luke McLean. I'm the pastor of ministry development here at Crossroads. And if you are brand new with us, welcome. Some of you are back three or four times. And I've seen a couple people this morning. And we're just really glad you're here. That spot you are sitting in now is for a purpose. And we're really thankful for you. So make it a point to stop by the Welcome Center. We just... Love to give you something because we think you're pretty awesome. Um, so just glad you're here. And if you had passed those friendship folders, I'd appreciate that. And so uh, one thing I want to make very clear is that our mission here at Crossroads is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we want to do. And I think that includes everybody, everyone here, all of us. Um, so a few announcements this morning. So the college ministry we've been running, this will be our third Tuesday. We've been just hanging out through August and getting to know each other. And at the end of the day, it's super, super informal. We just want to build relationships. So if you are college-aged person, drop by our house. You know, email the office, tap me after the service, and we'll get you our address. But I've got three kids under the age of five at Chocolate Lab, and we have lots of food, so... Sounds like a pretty good night. You don't have to pay for anything, so that's probably another big winner, too. <laughs> um, but we've had a really great last couple weeks. It's been really cool. Just good conversation, really good stuff. So just really excited about what God's doing there. Um, one thing I also want to tell you about, which is on August 19th. It doesn't like me. August 19th, uh, Rick Saccone, uh, our state representative, has invited us to participate at Trax Farm just down the road for a uh, veterans appreciation picnic. We need people to serve. We need people to greet. We need people to just be there, be a, a, a ministry of presence, just to be there to love on our vets. So if you're interested, there's a table in the lobby. Please sign up for that. Um, also, if you have a heart to share Jesus with kids. That's not everybody, but there's a lot of you that God has gifted that way and wired that way. We want people to join the Canopy Kids team and to share the love of Jesus with our kids here at Crossroads. And so if you are interested in that, there's a meeting on August 30th at 6.30 in the Canopy Room. And even if you're just like, hey, I've never done this before, just try it. Just try it. Just jump in and say, hey, I can do these five things. We'll find a place for you. Believe me. I've only known Courtney for maybe like four weeks. She will find a place for you. Believe me. And so we're super excited about that, but we do need help. Isn't that cool? We have a problem of having too many kids and too many opportunities to share Jesus. I think that's pretty great that we have a problem. You know, I shared first hour that there are churches all over the U.S. that are shutting doors. And doors of this church have not shut. And I think that's pretty awesome. So praise God for that. August 20th, the day after uh, the Veterans Appreciation Picnic, we're going to be over at Peterswood Park for our church picnic. So food, fellowship, and fun. If you want to bring your own food, go for it. Uh, Middies will also be providing food, really inexpensive food for us there. And so make sure that you uh, plan accordingly. Details in the bulletin. And uh, also a perfect musical, a perfect Christmas musical 
uh, the, uh, which is our Christmas musical, will be happening uh, this Christmas, and there's an interest meeting on August 27th. So ask us about that, and there's also a sign-up in the back. But at this point, I'd like to welcome Pastor Ken to the stage. All right. Thank you, Luke. Aren't we thankful to have Luke as part of our team? Let's thank him, man. We're glad he's here. Been a great addition to our team here at Crossroads Ministries, and uh, we're just thanking God for all that he's doing here at the church. You know, the past couple weeks, we, we, my family, we got to sneak out. I was so glad, uh, you know, we got to go visit family. And Rhonda has a sister that lives on Hilton Head Island, and so we want to visit her. I'm just really glad she didn't live in, like, North Dakota, you know. I, I don't think I'd be going to visit her if she lived in North Dakota, right? But we went down and visited their family, had a good time, and last weekend we were in Charleston and her other sister's on the way back, and I, I stopped back coming up through, and I, I stopped in uh, Charles, uh, Charlotte, Charlotte, North Carolina, saw a fellow who was uh, from 19 years ago, was part of our church. He was, uh, we were young guys, like Eric is a young guy now, right, you know? I, I, was, I was young and, well, never quite thin, but I was young, right? But I was young, and, and, and uh, me and this guy, Dave Havoc, we, we were good friends, and he came in. My wife went to an exercise class in the, in the, in the, at the library in South Park, met his wife, and then the, they came into church, and we just befriended him, and, and we got him grounded in, in the gospel of Christ. His job took him and moved him off two years later. He's in Charlotte, North Carolina, still serving the Lord 20 years later. Isn't that awesome? Can we give God a hand for his work? What an, what an awesome God that he, he is. And so God's doing those type of things every day in our church, and we're seeing that happen over and over with, from our children's ministry, our youth ministry, adult ministries all over the place. So this time I'd like to ask our ushers to come forward and receive our morning offering. And as they come this morning, I, I just want to pause and have prayer for this craziness that's happening in Charlottesville, Virginia. Um, I know you've been watching the news and you're seeing the unrest over there. And just, you know, when hate is part of our culture, it, it, there's no room for that in our country. Amen? And so we just, uh, we want to ask God to, uh, to be the, the one who can solve that. No political party can change that. Uh, no government can help it. Only Jesus. And God's called the church to be the church, to go out and, uh, and to do that. So I want to ask you to pray for, pray for that area today as, uh, as we go to the Lord in prayer. Shall we? Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we come before you. And we just, uh, we lift up to you our country, Lord. You said if your people who are called by your name will humble themselves and pray, then would you hear from heaven and you would heal their land. And so, God, as we, we dismiss this hatred, we dismiss the, these evil things that are happening in our country, Lord, we know that the answer is what we're doing right now. When we come before the Almighty God, the Almighty King of Kings, and say, Lord, we humble ourselves and we submit to your power, Lord, and we need your transforming work to transform our country, Lord. So, God, start with us. Help us to transform our community here, Lord. Uh, help us to be people that are, are, are sharing the love, the joy, the peace that comes from knowing Christ, that can impact the world in our job, in our work. Lord, I pray for Charlottesville, Virginia right now. We, we think of uh, Carol Darrance, who was on staff here for many years, now lives there with her son, and her son's a pastor in that area. I pray that you help Rusty, Lord. Give him a, an ability to be able to, to reach people who are being run over by this craziness, Lord. Uh, God, we just ask that you bring healing to our land. 
Let the church stand up and be the church, Lord. I pray that you'll uh, put a call on every Christian in this country, Lord, to go out and live the truth of who you are. God, thank you for what you've done in this place. As we come to give to you this morning, we give to you. And we say thank you for everything that you've given to us, Lord. We're responding now and returning a portion of thanks to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Your love, oh Lord, reaches to the heavens.
book tour of the book of Ephesians, right? Ephesus was the town where, uh, where, this, where these people lived. And so thus the book of Ephesians, the group of people that lived in this town, uh, that Paul is writing a letter to them. And so we've been going through, and we're kind of doing our own little tour, and so we, we've stopped on the blessings of God, and we stopped on, upon uh, the grace of God. And so today we're going to pick up the second half of chapter 2, verse 11. And uh, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there. Um, and, and he starts out here, he says, Therefore, remember that you formerly who are Gentiles by birth. And he starts out, and he gives him this word, therefore. Now, at the beginning, when you see that little word there, therefore, there's a little cheesy statement that I, like, that I like to use, and it just helps you to understand, to not just bypass that, okay? Don't just look at that word, therefore, and just keep reading. You need to ask yourself, what's it there for, all right? So every time you see the word, therefore, ask yourself, what's it there for? So be cheesy and look at your neighbor and say, what's it there for? Go ahead. All right, I got 40% participation on cheesiness, all right? All right, so ask yourself, what's it there for? So whenever you see that word, you got to ask yourself, why? What, what's he trying to talk about? So what he has done, he has taken the first chapter and a half, and he said, man, based upon what I have just told you, based upon that whole, th- this whole thing that, uh, first of all, in, in chapter 1, he tells us about the blessings of God. He tells you that you've been adopted into the family of God. He tells you that you are, are his child, that, he ch- that God chose you. And so he says, therefore, based upon that, therefore, based upon the goodness of who God is, therefore, seeing that we have an amazing God who is not sitting up in the sky with a, with a hammer and a sickle ready to judge you. No, therefore, because we have a God who is grace, who's offered grace who's offered to care for you, who's offered you eternal life. Therefore, seeing as as salvation is not of your own, it is a free gift from God. Therefore, he says, in spite of what you believe about yourself. Uh, You know, how many times do we go and we look at our past, we look at yesterday, and we say, oh, man, I'm no good. Uh, and, And basically, we think like we have the scarlet letter on us because of something that we did something that we said, some, something that we participated in. We think that we are no good. The grace of God says that, hey, listen, in, in spite of all that you've done, God loves you. God has a plan for your life. God wants you to have eternal life. He wants to, he's called you to be his child. So therefore, in light of all that, in light of all those things, dismiss all those other things in light of who God is. In light of the grace that he has given to you, uh, he just got done in verse, verses 8, 9, and 10, that is by grace that you're saved through faith. It is the gift of God. It is through eternal life. And so therefore, based upon all of that, he says, I want you to remember, therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth are called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. That done in the body by the hands of men. Now, this is kind of an interesting phrase here. We don't often talk about circumcision. I'll just be honest with you, right? It's not something we talk about, you know, like, hey, are you circumcised, you know? Uh, that, that's just uh, something that's probably standard practice today, right? So what, what, here's what this was. Circumcision represented the, the rules and the regulations of the Jewish people. Uh, here's what it was. God made a promise to Abraham. And he told Abraham that your descendants will be like the stars in the heaven. You won't be able to count them. They'll be like the sand on the seashore. You won't be able to count them. 
And so God said, you're my chosen people. And it was through this chosen people that he was calling these people unto himself that they would bring all other nations unto God. So that's what this whole thing was about. God wasn't trying to make a prodigy nation that nobody else could be Jewish. It was that the Jewish people, he was setting them apart unto his service and that the ultimate plan was that they would bring the other nations to Christ. Well, one of the things that they practiced was circumcision. God told them that they need to be circumcised. He, he gave them a number of rules. He gave them a number of laws that they followed. You look at the Ten Commandments. You look at uh, the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. I mean, they got into, into the law to the nth degree, to the point where if you walked on the grass on Sabbath, they thought you violated the law because you harvested a piece of grass. And so it, was, uh, it, it became this really big deal about these laws. So basically, it was about the un. And so what he's showing here is there's the un. So you could say it was the, the people who are in and the people who are out. Man, it must have been about the un. He said it's about the un, the uncircumcised. And so what this was representative of was the people that were on the outside of God. So anyhow, so he's talking about being un. He's talking about maybe a battery here might help it, all right? He says that being un, the un, uh, being on the outside. And when we were on the outside, the, uh, the uncircumcised, and yes, by the way, it is my birthday. Thank you, Brandon. 49 years old today, and I get to share it with you. Facebook hides nothing, right? It just lets you know what's going on out there. All right, now let's pick up. Now we're back into the, into the passage here. The un. When we're talking about the un, it was the people that are on the outside. As a matter of fact, it was, there was such tension over the circumcision or the uncircumcised that uh, any time that the Jewish people were looking down on, upon the Gentiles, upon the people who are not, not Jewish, they would refer to them as the uncircumcised. For example, Samson. Remember we talked about Samson a lot this year? Man bun dude, you know, Mr. Mr., uh, Mr. Muscle Man takes down, the, uh, takes down the walls, takes down the pillars, and so what, does he, what happens? He goes out and gets a wife from non-Jewish. He gets a wife from the Philistines. And he says to them, uh, his mother comes in and says, oh, Samson, why do you have to go and get a wife from the uncircumcised? Why do you have to go get a wife from the uncircumcised people? And then there was uh, David, David and Goliath. You remember David and Goliath? Uh, anytime we think of a huge upset, we think of David and Goliath. Here, here's David, here's the underdog, and here's Goliath, who's, uh, who's the top dog. And so uh, David and Goliath, he comes out, David goes before this giant, and uh, he sees that the armies of God are fight, they're, they're afraid. They're getting ready to fight him, but they're afraid, and they're saying, there's no way, that they're going to kill us. And David says this over in Samuel, 1 Samuel 17, 26, he says, who is the circumcised that he should defy the armies of God? Who is this that he should defy the armies of God? Um, and so, so this, this is, was the difference here. He's talking about the difference between a Jew and a non-Jew. And he's saying, remember that at one time that you were on the outside. Remember, you were the un. Verse 12, he says, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. So he says, I want you to pause and remember, he's given you all this goodness about God. Therefore, in light of all God is, stop and remember what your life was like before God. 
Stop and remember what your life was like before Jesus came and made the difference in your life. So he, he gives a list here. And if you're taking notes there on the back of your bulletin, I have a fill in the blank. Uh, the first one is that w- uh, we are without Christ. And, you know, when you, when you think about that, being without Christ, that is huge. Because Christ makes the difference. Christ, he's the one who gives you a meaning. He gives you a purpose in life. If we didn't have Christ, we would have no meaning. We would have no purpose. We'd have no direction. And so he's telling the Ephesians, he says, remember at that time when you were on the outside, remember when you were the un, you, uh, you were separated from Christ. There, there was, there was no, not, no joy in your life. He says, you were without family, excluded from citizenship in Israel. Verse 12, excluded from citizenship in Israel. He's, he's saying that you're without family. There was no connection. Uh, there, there was the, 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 the citizens of Israel. Remember, they're the chosen people. They are, they are God's people. So they really stuck it to everybody else who wasn't. They said on the outside, you're really on the outside. So Paul's saying to the church at Ephesus, hey, remember? Remember at one point you had no family. There was no connection. There was no sense of the family of God. So you were on the outside. He says that you were without purpose, um, without promises, without promise. Uh, you know what, if we didn't have the promises of God, I could not imagine my life trying to live my life without the promises of God. Uh, you wake up and you deal with a tragedy. You deal with a crisis. If you didn't have the promises of God, how would we get through this? And that's what he's saying. He, he's saying, listen, when you were without Christ, you had no promise. And he says, you did not have, you were foreigners to the covenants of the promise. You, you didn't understand the promises of God, who he is. What he has done for you, uh, you were foreigners to that promise. And now that we have Christ, now that you have Christ, you have the promises of God. And God, when he makes a promise, he's a promise keeper. Uh, he says that you're without hope. The next part, he says, without hope. Remember that, remember that time you were without hope. Uh, when, when you don't have Christ, and I, I want you to stop and think, because here's what happens for us, as we've been believers for some time, you start to follow in Christ, you kind of forget that. You kind of forget that it's like that's a distant part of our, our memory that we had no hope. You know, to, to be without hope, is there anything worse than being hopeless? Have you, have you ever said to somebody that they're hopeless? I hope not. I mean, that's a terrible word, isn't it? That you're hopeless. And, and that's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, before you had Christ, you were without hope. Now, hope is a confident assurance of things to come. Uh, it's, it's, I know that God is going to do this. For example, I have the blessed hope of eternal life. All right? That doesn't mean that, you know, I hope it doesn't rain today. That means I know this eternal life is coming and I have hope in it. There's an anticipation that it's coming one day. And as we deal with tragedy, as we deal with, with crisis, as we deal with this fallen world that we're living in, we have hope because God has given us his promises. Uh, where he says that, he goes on, he says that they were without God. He said, not only were you without hope, but you were without God. Now think about this. Art, uh, Artemis was the false god of that area. If you, uh, if, when we started the series, we put up the temple of Artemis. It was this huge temple that, uh, that, that was erected, and the people were, were uh, worshiping this false god. And as they are up there, they're worshiping this false god. It's just incredible what, uh, what, what happened, that all these people would get involved with worshiping this false god or that false god, and they had many false gods. And so what he was saying, he's saying, listen, before you had Christ, 
You were without God. Oh, you had God's little g. You had God's little g, Artemis, false gods. And, and you know, that's exactly where we're at today. Our world is filled with small gods. Entertainment, vacation. Not bad to go on vacation, but just don't worship it, right? Uh, the, the things, our career, our family, we can, we can put all these things into place where we're going to worship them. And we don't even know. We just give our affection to it. And here's what he says. He says that when you did not have Christ, you were without the God. You didn't understand the God. You see, Jesus wasn't going to be another God on the shelf alongside of Artemis and all the other false gods. Jesus was the God. He's the only true and living God. And today, it's the same as true today. Whether you're worshiping the false God of, uh, of something you're putting your energy to or, or to an idol, God is the only one that can make the difference. I, I see young people all the time. Young people go, go try and, and fill their life with things all the time. They try and, uh, they, they try and, and, and you know, what, whatever you're going to give your life to. Maybe it's, again, entertainment is huge. We're in such an entertainment-driven culture. And so when a young person, you see them, they're, they're just striving to fill, fill these needs. God is the only one that can do that. Christ is the only one. He is above all of that. And yet so many times we have to go out and we say, well, maybe our career will do it. Maybe, uh, maybe it's family. Maybe it's entertainment. And, uh, and, and we just begin to fill our life with things that are not going to make it. And he says, I want you to remember before you had Christ, you didn't even have God. Well, as he continues, he continues in verse 13. He says, but now. So he, he's given the bad news. The bad news is that you were without Christ. You were without family, without promises. You had no hope. You didn't have God. And now he says in verse 13, the good news. Now check this out. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and he preached peace to those who were, who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by the Spirit. So he gives this great, exciting truth of who he is, of who you are in Christ now. But if you're like me, you read it and you're like, well, what, what's he saying? <laughs> you know, you, you kind of, it's like, okay, I know this is good, but what's he mean? He broke down the barrier. Uh, he made the two one and destroyed the bearer, dividing the wall of hostility. What is he talking about there? So remember, Paul was writing this letter. So Paul, Paul's penning this letter, and he's sending it to the church at Ephesus. And what he's talking about is actually recorded for us over in Acts chapter 21. So I'm going to jump over to Acts chapter 21, verse uh, 27, and I'm just going to share with you this little, uh, little event. Actually, it was a major event in the life of Paul that happened, and it happened just before he's writing this letter. So when you understand this event that's happening, it's going to help us understand those verses that we just wrote. Read. Read. 
uh, verse 27. The seven days were almost ended when some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul in the temple and roused a mob against him. They grabbed him, yelling, men of Israel, help us. This is the man who preaches against our people everywhere and tells everybody to disobey the Jewish law. He speaks against the temple and even defiles this holy place by bringing in Gentiles. So here's what was happening. He, he's going around. The Apostle Paul, uh, there's, there was controversy all around him because now he's telling people about Jesus everywhere he went. At one point, he persecuted the Christians, and now he's telling everybody to become a Christian. And he's a follower of Christ. So he's, he, he speaks against the temple and even defiles this holy place. Now, catch that. They said he's defiling something holy by bringing in Gentiles. Verse 29. For earlier that day, they had seen him in the city with Trophimus, a Gentile from where? Ephesus, a Greek. And they assumed that Paul had taken him into the temple. The whole city was rocked by those accusations, and a great riot followed. Paul was grabbed and dragged out of the temple, and immediately the gates were closed behind him. Now, I want you to think about this with me today, because what happened here was this, uh, this was a, a little drawing of the temple here. And I've learned to draw ahead of time, folks. It's much nicer. This was the a layout of the temple. And so here's what happened. You had this wall all around the temple. And you could come in, and this here was known as the Holy of Holies up here. And that was like the holiest place, and only the priest could go into there. But as you came in through the gates, you could go into this first area, and this was known as the Court of Women. Imagine that, a Court of Women in church, huh? We've come a long way because this was the only place that the women could go. The, the women had to stop here. The men could continue on into this next court. And then only the, only the priests could go into the, in, into the Holy of Holies. If you liken it to a baseball field, uh, you, on the field would be the priest. In the stands would be the men and then the women up higher. And in the parking lot would be all the people who were non-Jewish. And so what happened? He's talking about this wall. The, the Apostle Paul brought in these people, and uh, they, he was accused of bringing somebody that was not a Jew in through this wall here. And what it was, it was a five-foot wall, and it was a barrier. So I want you to picture this five-foot wall. Could you imagine if we had a five-foot wall around the church that says, Do not enter? Could you imagine that? That's what this was. On, on the, on the um, on, on, I'm going to have a picture here of one of the inscriptions. This inscription was found in 1871. 1871, the archaeologists un undug these inscriptions, and they found that on the outside, on the pillars of this block wall that was five feet high, it said basically this. If you are from another country, keep out. Do not come in. If you do, you will be responsible for your own death. Stay away. Do not defile this holy place. Now imagine that. God chose these people so that, so that he could call them unto himself so that they would be uh, followers of him and that other countries would come. But they put on the outside, do not enter here. 
And so what would happen was a Gentile, if a Gentile got close, the, the, the warning was strong, do not enter. And this was the dividing wall that Paul was accused of coming across. Now the Apostle Paul, he continues on here. And uh, P- Paul was grabbed and he was dragged from the temple. And then, uh, and then they take him up and they're taking him up the stairs going up. Uh, and he's basically over all the people. And he says, wait a minute, can I speak for a moment? Can I talk to these people? And uh, he gets the attention of the guards, and basically they let him talk. Go home and read it. It's, it's great history in Acts chapter 21. Uh, he goes through and he gives a great long speech. He tells about how that he is a follower of Christ. One point he persecuted these Christians. Now he is a Christ follower, and he's trying to convince them to be followers of Christ. Verse 21 of chapter 22, Acts 22, verse 21, he says this, But the Lord said to me, so at the end of all his speech, he says, But the Lord said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. The crowd listened until Paul said that word. Then they began to shout, Away with this, with with such a fellow as this. He isn't fit to live. They yelled, they threw off their coats, they tossed hands of dust into the air. Then the commander brought Paul inside and ordered him to be whipped with chains. And as he ordered him to be whipped, the apostle Paul basically says to him, Hey, listen, uh, are, you gonna, are you really going to whip a Roman citizen? And he pulls out his card of Roman citizenship. Because a Roman citizen, you could not flog them, you could not punish them without a trial. So he pulls out his citizenship and he says, hey, I'm a citizen of Rome. And so they they end up from there, they take him and they put him in jail. So he's awaiting trial. It's in that moment that he's awaiting the trial that he comes and, uh, and he has to, excuse me, I'm a little bit out of sorts here with one hand tied, right? Um, he has to come now out of jail, from jail. He's writing to these folks and letting them know their greatness in Christ. He was accused of coming across the barrier with a Gentile, with somebody that was the un, somebody that had sins, somebody that was unclean. He was accused of defiling the temple by bringing somebody across this barrier. Now, Acts chapter 21 gives us that that deal there. Go back to Ephesians chapter 2. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. He says, you who were once far, you were on the outside. You were on the outside of that five-foot barrier that said, do not come. If you come across this line, you'll be killed. You who were once far away are now brought near. Isaiah talked about the far and the near. Isaiah said that those who were close were the Jews. Those who were far were the Gentiles, the the un. And so Isaiah says that, you know, we need to bring peace to both. Paul says here that God brought peace to them through the blood of Christ. For he himself, Jesus, is our peace. Now, folks, there are barriers in our life. There's there's the, the biggest barrier is the barrier between us and God. That's our sin. Our sin separates us from God. So when Jesus died on the cross, he paid once for all forever for your sin. And the Bible says that Jesus is our peace. He has taken the barrier down between you and God. There is no barrier between you and God. There's nothing that says you cannot come to God. None. But yet, we tend to live with barriers in our life, don't we? We tend to walk around with unsaid barriers. 
Uh, he says, for he himself is our peace. If you're lacking peace this morning, may I say this, you're lacking Jesus. It's not your circumstances. Your circumstances will continue to get worse. We live in a fallen world. Don't expect it to get better. Uh, expect things to, to get harder. Expect more and more turmoil in our world. He says, for he himself, Jesus is our peace. He, Jesus is our only hope for what's going on in our country right now. It's because he's our peace. He's the only one who can abolish barriers. He's the only one who can destroy hatred and barriers that we have built around us. Who has made the two one and who has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing in the flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. So the wall has been abolished. Uh, All the law, listen, it wasn't just that dividing wall. It was all this uncircumcision. It was all, I keep the law and you don't. Well, I'm a good Jew. I do, I do it the right way. You don't do it. You're on the outside. Uh, they, they treated others as dogs. And so what happened was it was this whole, this whole tension between two groups of people. And as I look at that, you continue. He says his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. In other words, Jesus would be the only one who would bring peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. There was such hostility between Jews and Gentiles. The hostility was paramount. It was hatred. It was bitterness. And, and he says, listen, between the Jews and the non-Jews, Jesus came and he died for every Jew and he died for every Gentile. It's one God who paid for it all. And he says that Jesus is the one who took down the barrier. Um, he, brought, he preached peace to you who were far and preached peace to those who were near. For though, for, uh, for though in him we have access to the Father by one spirit. So what he says here, I'll give you a couple thoughts here. He says that you are fully adopted, fully adopted and have complete access to your Father in heaven. That's what it's all about. Uh, you're, there's no longer a barrier between any people group and Jesus. From any nation, there's no, no longer a barrier. And there's no longer a barrier between anybody that does things that you don't like. And you see where the, this is really hard because now I have this relationship with God. I have complete access. I've been fully adopted. I have complete access. And when, in Roman culture, when you, when you adopted somebody, it was a contract that could not be broken. It was stronger than if you were born a, a, if you were born a birth child to that parent. This adoption contract, you could not renege on it. You could not say, I don't, no longer want to be their child. It was strong. It was secure. So when we see words in Ephesians 1 that you're adopted, you have been adopted. God has a plan, and he says, man, you are secure. You are secure in your relationship with Christ. Um, we are made family to live like part of the family. God's made you part of his family. There's no longer this, this, the people on the outside. There's no longer a, a barrier that's up like this that says that you can't get in. It's only what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. And Jesus offers to all freedom. He offers you to have eternal life. We receive citizenship to live like a citizen. And so what, what has happened? So, so, you know, I look at my, look at my family to be a barner, there's, there's rewards to being a barner. My kids, they get a great inheritance when I'm gone. They get all my bills. 
I told them they can plaster the walls with them. That'll be wonderful, you know. If they want to pay them, that'll be great. They'll have all all those great things that I have, right? Um, To be a citizen, a citizen of the United States, there there are things that as a citizen here, you get to enjoy. There are rights and privileges of being a citizen, and so you get to enjoy being a citizen. God says that you're a citizen of his kingdom. He continues on. He says that you're part of his household, part of his family. But I want us to stop and think about this barrier today because this barrier is really crazy. That there would be a barrier. When you think that there would be a barrier, a five-foot wall that went all the way around the place where, where the people were to come to worship God because they were trying to do a good thing. They were trying so hard to keep it holy and to praise God and to lift him up. And so what they were doing is they kept all the other bad stuff out. And folks, may I say this today? That that wall, when Paul talked about the wall of hostility is gone, that wall is no longer there. It was taken care of at the cross. But today, I think in church, while we don't have a wall up, sometimes we have unsaid walls. And it's called, I don't like you because you're not like me. We would never say that. But how many times do we act like that? I'm not going to bring you to God because I don't like you. Because we're nothing, we don't vote the same way. Imagine that. God says, no, no, there is no wall of hostility. Jesus took that down. I, I don't like you because of your sin, because of the things that you do. And so today I want us to look here at the end, at the, in closing here. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says that we are to have the ministry of reconciliation. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. He reconciled us. He, he abolished this. And so our message today, listen, everybody thinks about this. You all think about this, that... I can be reconciled to God in spite of my sin. You think about this right here. You realize that between me and God, there's a barrier, and Jesus abolished that. Now I get to have eternal life. Yeah, and we all go there. But if we're not careful, we can go like something like this. But you can't be reconciled to me because of your sin. In other words, you know what? You do things that I don't like. You do things that are hurting me. You do things that are hurting God, and therefore I can't even be your friend. And so what we do is we build these walls up, and these become unsaid walls all around us. So today, I want to encourage you to take and tear down that wall. Remember Ronald Reagan's famous statement to Mr. Gorbachev? Some of you are old enough to remember that statement. I guess I'm showing my age now, right? He said, when that Berlin Wall came down, he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. Let's do it like this this morning. Uh, You can be reconciled to God in spite of your sin. Jesus come and he took the cross down. The cross paid and took that barrier down. Therefore, because Christ reconciled me, I can tear the wall down. So I want to ask you this morning. Does our community know who we are, or do they know who we're not? Do, do, do we have barriers that we won't talk to people in the, in the grocery store because they do things, because they vote this way, because they act this way, because they say this way, because they're involved in certain sin? Or, or are we going to take down the wall and love people as Christ loved them?
Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I'd like to invite you to Christ. I'd like to invite you to know who he is and to trust him, to trust the goodness of God, to trust what he did for you on the cross, and to tear down those walls. Jesus tore down every burden, every barrier. He tore it down. And he did it because he loved you and he wanted to bring you peace. And there's no peace in you going out and trying to do it on your own. You have to come to Christ and say, God, help me to love the people that I don't love. God, help me to love the people that I have discredited. Lord, help me to tear down those barriers. Right now, we see in our nation hostility. We see massive need for reconciliation today. Let's come before God and let's start here. Let's start in Finleyville. Let's be the people of reconciliation where we, where we go out and we trust that God has taken the barrier down and that we can go out and be people of the cross and learn to love the way that he loved. Father God, I pray you'll be with us today. Be with, be with each one, Lord, as they respond to your goodness. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us, please, as we close with this song?